The first question is, do Ahruf and Kirat refer to the same modes of recitation? Now, early in his prophethood, the Holy Prophet ﷺ preached only to the Meccans, and the Qur'an was revealed in one mode, the dialect of the Quraysh. However, when Islam was accepted by tribes outside of Mecca, who spoke in different dialects of Arabic, and they had different levels of understanding, the Holy Qur'an was then revealed to the Holy Prophet ﷺ in many other modes to accommodate their needs. These modes were referred to as Ahruf, which today are often also referred to as Kirat. Many believe that Kirat are distinct from Ahruf, that Kirat refer to different modes of recitation within one of the Ahruf. In this way, they believe that Ahruf are modes of recitation, and Kirat are sub-modes within those Ahruf. However, this is nothing more than speculation of later people. During the transcribing of the Holy Qur'an in the time of Hazrat Usman, the Sahaba were so meticulous that even the differences in alternate spellings of the same word were examined and decided according to the dialect of the Holy Prophet It is narrated that they differed then with At-Tabut and At-Tabuh. The Quraysh said At-Tabuh, while Zayd said At-Tabuh. Their disagreement was brought to Hazrat Usman so he said, write it as At-Tabuh, for it was revealed in the tongue of the Quraysh. So if Kirat are incorrectly taken to be different modes of recitation within one kharf, then they cannot be considered word-for-word word revelation from Allah Almighty. This is a position that cannot be accepted based merely on speculation of people who came later. In reality, the Ahruf are the only modes of recitation that carry divine authority directly from the Holy Prophet ﷺ. Kirat is simply another word used to refer to the same Ahruf. The next question is how many secondary modes were revealed? The primary mode of recitation was the mode of the Holy Prophet ﷺ himself. The secondary modes were revealed to accommodate the diverse needs of his followers. It's narrated by Hazrat Ubay bin Kaab that the Holy Prophet ﷺ was near the tank of Banu Ghifar, that Hazrat Jibreel came to him and said that Allah Almighty has commanded you to recite to the people the Qur'an in one mode. On this, the Prophet ﷺ said that I ask from Allah pardon and forgiveness. My people are not capable of doing it. He then came for the second time and said that Allah has commanded you that you should recite the Qur'an to your people in two modes. On this, the Prophet ﷺ again said that I seek pardon and forgiveness from Allah Almighty. My people would not be able to do so. Jibreel, Hazrat Jibreel ﷺ came for the third time and said, that Allah Almighty has commanded you to recite the Qur'an to your people in three modes. On this, he said, that I ask pardon and forgiveness from Allah, my people would not be able to do it. He then came to him for the fourth time and said, that Allah has commanded you to recite the Qur'an to your people in seven modes, and in whichever mode they would recite, they would be right. Now, the number of seven here can be interpreted literally to mean the number exactly seven. Or it can be interpreted metaphorically to mean many, according to Arabic idiom. It is possible that seven here means many, because there is no evidence that there were specifically seven dialects or variations in Arabic. Also, seven is used to refer to many, whereas the number five, six, and eight are not. So the number of ahruf that were permitted suddenly went from the number of four to seven, and this indicates that seven can mean many in this context. The next question is, why were the secondary ahruf revealed? The secondary ahruf were revealed to accommodate the difficulties of his newer followers. They accommodated the different dialects of Arabic among the different tribes of Arabia to help in pronunciation. 
and they acted as a commentary, as a tafsir on the primary mode to help in understanding its meanings. It is narrated that the Holy Prophet ﷺ met Jibreel and said that, O Jibreel, I have been sent to an illiterate nation among whom are the elderly women, the old men, the boys and the girls, and the man who cannot read a book at all. So Jibreel said that, O Muhammad, indeed the Qur'an has been revealed in seven modes. The next question is, what differences were there between the primary mode and the secondary modes? Now in pronunciation, the differences between the primary mode and the secondary modes are in enunciation to facilitate recitation in different dialects. In meaning, the differences between the primary mode and the secondary modes are in similar wordings that expands the meaning of the message. The Holy Prophet ﷺ is narrated to have said to one of his sahaba that I was asked to recite the Qur'an and I was asked in one mode or two modes. The angel that accompanied me said, say in two modes. I said in two modes. I was asked again in two or three modes. And the Prophet ﷺ says that the matter reached up to seven modes. He then said each mode is sufficiently health-giving, whether you utter all-hearing and all-knowing, or instead if you say all-powerful and all-wise. This is valid until you finish the verse indicating punishment on mercy, and finish the verse indicating mercy on punishment, meaning that you can't make the meaning opposite. But the synonymous meanings that are revealed in secondary ahruf act as a commentary. So the purpose of the different modes was not just to accommodate dialects, it was also to make it easier to understand the meanings of the primary mode. This is why some companions who were from the Quraysh, like Hazrat Hisham bin Hakim, were taught from the secondary modes. The next question is that when were the secondary modes revealed? The secondary modes were revealed towards the end of the prophethood of the Holy Prophet ﷺ. This is proven by the fact that the outset of revelation of the different modes is narrated to have taken place near the tank of Banu Ghifar, which was in Medina. This is also proven by the fact that the first time that Hazrat Umar was introduced to the different modes was through Hazrat Hisham bin Hakim, who accepted Islam at the victory of Mecca in the eighth year of Hijri. This shows that the Holy Prophet started teaching the different dialects when people from all over Arabia started accepting Islam. This also shows that the Holy Prophet would only recite the primary mode himself. Otherwise, Hazrat Umar who was one of the closest Sahaba of the Holy Prophet would have heard from the Holy Prophet himself long before he had heard it from Hazrat Hisham bin Hakim. The Holy Prophet only taught the secondary modes to others who needed it for themselves or who needed it to teach it to others. He did not recite the secondary modes himself in his congregational prayers and discourses. The next question is, why did misunderstandings among some companions happen during the life of the Holy Prophet ﷺ? Now when the Sahaba of the Holy Prophet ﷺ were initially introduced to these different dialects, it created misunderstandings between some of them because some thought that others were reciting the Holy Quran incorrectly. However, under the guidance of the Holy Prophet ﷺ, these misunderstandings were removed. It's narrated in Bukhari that Hazrat Umar narrates that I heard Hisham bin Hakim reciting Surat al-Furqan during the lifetime of the Holy Prophet I listened to this recitation and noticed that he was reciting in a way that the Holy Prophet had not taught me. I was about to jump over him while he was still in prayer, but I waited patiently. And when he finished his prayer, I put my sheet round his neck and pulled him and said that who has taught you this surah, which I have heard you reciting? Hisham said that Allah's Messenger taught it to me. I said, you are telling a lie for he has taught it to me in a way different from the way that you have recited it. 
Then I started leading him to the Prophet ﷺ and said that I have heard this man reciting Surah Al-Furqan in a way that you have not taught me. The Holy Prophet ﷺ said, O Umar, release him. Now recite, O Hisham. Hisham recited in the way I heard him reciting. The Holy Prophet ﷺ said, it was revealed like this. Then the Holy Prophet ﷺ said, recite, O Umar. And I recited in the way that he had taught me. Whereupon he said that it was revealed like this and added, the Qur'an has been revealed to be recited in seven different modes. So recite of it whichever is easy for you. So this narration shows us that the secondary ahruf of the Holy Qur'an were not taught as a mainstream. It was taught as secondary modes. The primary mode is what was taught to the Sahaba. And if there was a need for a certain tribe, or there was a need for a certain Sahaba who were teachers, those modes were taught to them. So this is why at times misunderstandings happen, because certain Sahaba who were not aware of it were not prepared when they learned about it. But then when the Prophet ﷺ clarified it for them, then the whole issue was resolved. So during the life of the Prophet ﷺ, these misunderstandings were resolved by the Prophet ﷺ himself. The next question is, why was the primary mode re-adopted as the only mode of recitation during the time of Hazrat Usman anhu? Now during most of the prophethood of the Holy Prophet ﷺ, there was no need for any secondary modes of recitation of the Holy Qur'an. The dialect of the Quraysh was the primarily dialect of the followers of the Holy Prophet ﷺ because most of them were from the Quraysh. Most of them understood it. They were from that region. But later in his prophethood, the need for secondary dialects arose because most of his new followers spoke in different dialects. However, within two decades after the demise of the Holy Prophet ﷺ, circumstances had again changed and the dialect of the Quraysh had become the primary dialect of his followers. The Muslim state had become centralized and the dialect of the Quraysh became mainstream because Muslims of different tribes had begun to interact far more. Mecca had become a center of renewed pilgrimage where more people of all tribes gathered and were familiarized with the dialect of the Quraysh. Then also, Medina had become the center of education where people came to learn the Qur'an and its commentary in the mode of the Holy Prophet Armies fought under the command of the Sahaba of the Holy Prophet who spoke the dialect of the Prophet So for these reasons, the dialect of the Holy Prophet had again become the primary dialect of his followers. Tribes in Arabia had previously lived in relative isolation of one another. However, when Arabia was centralized, and people of different dialects began interacting with each other far more. They were introduced to the different modes of recitation that they had previously been unaware of. So the same type of misunderstandings that had previously happened among the Sahaba of the Holy Prophet ﷺ during his lifetime, and which he had corrected himself, they now started happening among people during the time of Hazrat Usman By this time, people had learned to recite the Holy Qur'an in the dialect of the Holy Prophet ﷺ, and they were familiar with the commentary of the primary mode found in the secondary modes. So Hazrat Usman the third and rightly guided Khalifa of the Muslims, he ordered that the primary mode once again be made the only mode of recitation among the Muslims. Although the remaining modes would remain and would continue to exist in memory, in memorization, in oral tradition, but only the primary mode of the recitation of the Holy Qur'an would continue to be taught in the mainstream in the form of a standardized manuscript. It is narrated that Hazrat Huzaifa was afraid that different people from different parts of the Muslim world had differences in recitation of the Holy Qur'an. 
So he said to Hazrat Usman anhu, that, O chief of the believers, save this nation before they differ about the book of the Allah, the book of the Quran, as the Jews and the Christians did before. So Hazrat Usman anhu, sent a message to Hazrat Hafsa anha, saying that send us the manuscripts of the Quran so that we may compile the Quranic materials in perfect copies and return the manuscripts to you. Hazrat Hafsa anha, sent it to Hazrat Usman anhu, and Hazrat Usman then ordered Hazrat Zayd to rewrite the manuscripts in perfect copies. Hazrat Usman said to the three Qurayshi men that in case you disagree with Zayd bin Sabit on any point in the Qur'an, then write it in the dialect of the Quraysh. The Qur'an was revealed in their tongue. They did so. And when they had written many copies, Usman anhu, returned the original manuscripts to Hazrat Hafsa. Then Hazrat Usman sent to every Muslim province one copy of what they had copied. And he ordered that all the other Quranic materials, whether written or fragmentary manuscripts or whole copies, that they should be burnt. Now, from this narration, we see that the secondary modes were not erased from history. They were simply removed from the mainstream to avoid being confused with the primary modes. This is similar to how the Holy Prophet ﷺ forbade the writing of a hadith during his lifetime. So they would not become confused with the Holy Quran. What's narrated that the Holy Prophet ﷺ said, they do not write down anything from me. And he who wrote down anything from me except the Qur'an, he should efface it and narrate from me, for there is no harm in it. Now afterwards, the writing of a hadith was permitted, when there was no longer a fear of it being mixed with the Holy Qur'an. So this is the same thing that Hazrat Usman who did. He only forbade the use of different modes for mainstream use as a textbook. Otherwise, they continue to be preserved and many of those secondary ahruf exist up until today. So Hazrat Usman who only standardized a manuscript that would be used for the teaching of the primary haruf. But the oral tradition, which was the main way in which the Holy Quran was recited, the way it was learned and the way it was taught, it still continued. There was no way to erase it or to delete it or to efface it. It was only the standardization of one singular and primary haruf being taught that was done by Hazrat Usman anhu. The next question is, why did misunderstandings arise among a few sahaba of the Holy Prophet after his life? Now, just as individual misunderstandings arose among some sahaba during the life of the Prophet so such individual misunderstandings also arose among some of his sahaba after his life as well. Some of the companions had specially been taught the secondary ahruf by the Holy Prophet ﷺ so that they could be teachers to the various tribes of Arabia for whom these modes had actually been revealed in the first place. Although many of the companions of the Holy Prophet ﷺ had memorized the Holy Qur'an in its primary mode, but there were a few who were expert reciters of the Holy Qur'an in its secondary modes because of their special job of being teachers to these tribes. So these companions were of special benefit because they could teach the Holy Qur'an to diverse demographics of Arabs, whereas most of the other Sahaba could only teach the Qur'an in the mode of the Quraysh, the primary mode, the mode of the Holy Prophet It is narrated by a Sahabi that I heard the Holy Prophet say that take and learn the Qur'an from four, and then he named four of his Sahaba who had specially been taught the secondary Ahruf so that it could be taught to various different tribes who visited him in delegations and those who were spread throughout Arabia. Now after the Holy Prophet ﷺ, misunderstandings arose among a few of these same Sahaba because they could not let go of their attachment to what the Holy Prophet ﷺ had individually taught them. These Sahaba did not understand why the secondary modes were subordinate to the primary mode of the Holy Prophet ﷺ himself, and they continued teaching them even when they were no longer needed. 
Hazrat Umar anhu, the second rightly guided Khalifa of Islam, said about Hazrat Ubay that our best reciter is Ubay and our best judge is Ali. And in spite of this, we leave some of the statements of Ubay because Ubay says that I do not leave anything that I have heard from Allah's Messenger. While Allah said that whatever sign we abrogate or cause to be forgotten, we bring one better than that or the like thereof. Just as some misunderstandings had arisen during the life of the Holy Prophet so some misunderstandings arose after his life as well. Among thousands of Sahaba, it was inevitable that human error arise among a few individuals. But the near consensus of the companions of the Holy Prophet were agreed that the mode of the recitation of the Holy Prophet himself be standardized as the mainstream mode of the recitation of the Holy Qur'an during the time of Hazrat Usman anhu. So just as there was one mode of recitation during most of the prophethood of the Holy Prophet the recitation was again brought back to the same mode of recitation during the Khilafat of Hazrat Usman anhu. The secondary modes exist today. They are recited among Muslims. And at times they are referred to when seeking to understand the meanings of the primary mode of the Holy Qur'an. Summarizing these points, Hazrat Muslim anhu wrote that it should be remembered that the variations in the Qirat of the Holy Qur'an has continued from earlier times. Some Muslims who are not completely acquainted with this subject worry sometimes and assume that if these narrations are true, then our claim that the Holy Qur'an is completely safeguarded from any alteration whatsoever may be incorrect. Forming such a conclusion is wrong. In fact, due to the differences in the languages, or to expand on certain subject matters, Allah Ta'ala has revealed the Holy Qur'an in seven dialects, in seven ahru, meaning that it has seven forms of recitation. Hazur said that one should not become suspicious that due to the diversity of recitations, there is a form of contradiction in the Holy Qur'an. Rather, these should be understood as a natural consequence of the variety existing in the languages per se. At times, there is one word pronounced in a particular way by some people residing in one part of the country, which may be pronounced in a completely different way by others who live in a different part of the same country. So this difference in pronunciation, however, does not denote that the word itself or its meaning has changed. With minute alterations, the word and its meaning remains the same. The change only occurs due to the inability of a nation to pronounce the word in its original way. So they alter its pronunciation according to their own convenience. Huzur explains that during the time of the Holy Prophet ﷺ, the land of Arabia had a small population and various tribes residing therein were at far distance from each other. So their dialects and pronunciations were, would vary from each other significantly. Although Huzur says their language was the same, but the pronunciation of certain words was completely different. Every so often, one particular word would give a certain meaning in one tribe, yet a different word was used to give the same meaning in another tribe. So considering these circumstances, Allah Ta'ala permitted the Holy Prophet ﷺ to use such words for those tribes which were not able to pronounce them properly. Thus, as long as Arabia did not develop into one nation, these very principles remained customary among them. Had they not been permitted to do so, only the residents of Mecca would be able to recite the Holy Qur'an, and all others would have found it very difficult. So this would also cause the Holy Qur'an to not spread as quickly as it did. This is the reason why different recitations of the Holy Qur'an have been permitted. But Hazur explains that, however, once society became developed and it reached a certain standard, which was governed by a central authority and everyone was fully acquainted with the language of the Hijaz, 
Then Hazrat Usman who rightfully deduced that allowing these many recitations of the Holy Qur'an would now be only a cause of generating disagreements between people. Thus, he decided to stop the general spread of these recitations, but they were still preserved in certain designated books. Thus, out of a pious intention and in order to unite them under one recitation, he prohibited all of their recitations apart from the original Hijazi one and allowed the use of only such copies of the Holy Qur'an for Arabs and non-Arabs alike that were according to the original recitation.